closer to your face, audio will be perfect. But yeah, so Celso is also a 3D design artist. Uh, I probably met you, what, like six years ago, seven? Yeah, around there, at Nirvana. At Nirvana. So while I was at a chorus entertainment, I moved into Celso and I was another talented 3D artist. And, but yeah, so you're Brazilian? Yeah, Brazilian, been here for about 10 years now. Nice, nice. To be a 3D artist in the Toronto industry <laughs> from Brazil. Well, feels good. The like that being from outside was never a factor. Like I, I never considered that as being different because most people here are from somewhere else, right? Right. But I just been to Brazil to a to a art convention. Nice. And that shifted my perspective a little bit because seeing how. A lot of like where I am now, it's the the final goal for a lot of people. So that was a little bit of a mind fuck, you know, like just, uh, yeah, because we we don't we don't really realize how far we be we are now until you see somebody that actually like wants to be where you are, and then yeah. Right. So the industry itself. So when you were growing up in Brazil, did you always know that you wanted to be a three D design artist or like no, a or I didn't even know that was a career. Yeah. So what's it like growing up in Brazil, like in terms of like, because like when you grow up in Brazil, like what are the, I guess the mainstream career paths for someone that lives in Brazil? Well, when it comes to art, the only thing that I knew I could do was uh, graphic design or architecture. Is that popular? Uh, those were the only two options for like that you could draw for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew. I knew of like comic book artists and, and people like that, but they they were so few and, and you had to be like the best to actually make any money. Right. So I I chose graphic design and the the college I went to was mixed was uh, graphic design and industrial design was the same uh, the same program. Right. And I just happened to start learning 3D on my own for like uh, I downloaded 3D Max and start messing around. I used for one project. My friends start hiring me to, to do small things for their projects. What kind of projects were you working on at the time? Well, those were just like, uh, they needed, if you needed some like a 3D graphic for uh, for your final program, like your final project, mm-hmm. they, they were, like I was helping people with that. Right. And, and then I started messing around with architecture, like just making, um, I met a guy who was who was doing that for a living, just like making three D visualizations of architecture projects. So I started doing that with him, and from that I got hired at a local TV station. But most of this was because nobody in my town knew how to do three D. It wasn't because I was any good. Right. It was just like I was the only one doing. It. <laughs> like there was me and this other guy, yeah. and the guy who was doing this for the TV station moved to Sao Paulo. So they needed somebody else, and they're like, oh, I, I guess this kid is doing it. So they hired me for it. And then I moved to Sao Paulo, I started, uh, the, then things started getting more serious. So around what yeah. year did you dive into uh, the 3D aspect of things? Like, how old were you when you started experimenting? 
I think I was 18 when I, 18, 19 when I started, like when I downloaded uh, Max for the first time. And then, and then over there, like the education system and stuff like that. So at 18, you graduate from high school, or is uh, it similar to how it is here? It's similar, yeah. But, uh, I started in college at 17, because my, my birthday is in October, so... Gotcha. Yeah. And the the year there starts, like the, the school year starts in January, as it, like here it starts in September, right? So there's a little bit of a shift there, because summer is, is in December, so... So then you experimented with 3D stuff, and then you went to school for graphic design. Yeah. And then that was in Sao Paulo? No, that was in, in, in this small town I'm from. Gotcha. Yeah. And then in Sao Paulo, I started messing around with uh, um, uh, more like illustrate, more character-oriented stuff. Right. Started working for our illustration studio. So it was the 3D department. <laughs> illustration studio. Yeah. And then my girlfriend at the time, uh, her parents were moving to Canada. And they just followed her here, and and things kind of worked out. I, pretty interesting <laughs> journey. <laughs> yeah, I followed her here. I, I was like, well, the worst that can happen is I go back, right? Right. So I, I came with her, and uh, like we got married. And then like when my visa uh, was out, my work visa was out. I well, I didn't speak English when I first got here, so it was a good six months just like learning English and working like side jobs. And then and how long ago was that? That is, has been. It's gonna be ten years, ten years in December. Yeah. Okay. And then what, what did your parents think when you told them that you were leaving to Canada with your girlfriend at the time? Well, they didn't say anything. Right. But I think they believed I would be back really quick. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, you go, you do your thing, and you come back." And yeah. So, in in terms of like just the lifestyle here, or like what made them so certain that you were gonna come back? Um. I think, well, my, my, I don't think they, I think they thought it was going to be harder for me to succeed here. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to, to be lucky enough that I didn't have to go back, right? right. Uh, because they knew I didn't speak English, so I think that was the main thing. They were like, oh, who, who is he kidding, right? right? And then, like, with, with my broken English, I started approaching studios, like emailing everybody, no replies. And then I, I printed my portfolio and started bringing to the studios. Right. And then when I brought to Spin, uh, Spin Visual Effects, it was the it was around lunchtime, and the the receptionist was out for lunch. So the producer came out, and their head of production actually got my my little book. Nice. And he was like, <clears throat> interesting, and didn't say a word, just like oh good luck, and walked away. Right. But he had a feeling about you. Well, by the time I got home, uh, he called me. Nice. So I was like, yes. So I mean, but the, <laughs> you, the I think that's one of the best feelings too in the beginning getting into the industry because it's oh, yeah. very competitive. And at that time too, especially that was like yeah. six, seven years ago. Well, the first job is always the hardest, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's pretty much impossible for you to get the first job. And after you get your first job and improve yourself, then it's like it's impossible to be unemployed. Right. <laughs> if you make a good mark and you're good at what you do. Right? Yeah, well, you, if, if you're dedicated, you're eventually going to be good, right? Right. Yeah. And then, so your portfolio consists of just like graphic design stuff or like 3D stuff as well? 
No, I did. I, I never really worked on graphic design. I, I, I just went to school for it. <laughs> so, so your portfolio is pretty much catered towards the animation industry. Yeah, so yeah. Like gotcha. And and then like from there, I was kind of getting sick of um, of visual effects because the the hours are a little bit more crazy and the. Uh, well, I, I was always planning on doing characters, but on visual effects, the closest to characters I was doing was. Uh, digital doubles for right. for some some scenes and that so wasn't fulfilling are, enough. Those are the scans where you're cleaning it up, or yeah. Uh, for some shows were scans. For some shows, like was from scratch, and the but it wasn't that fulfilling, right? Like right. you because you want to design the character. You were like oh, I wanted to be more involved in it, mm -hmm. and then that's when I applied in Nirvana and I met you. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy when I think about it, how fast time flies by. Yeah, because that, that has been seven years, I think. Like from. Damn. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah, I remember I bumped into you and I saw your portfolio and stuff. I was like, this guy's really good. I need to reach his level one day. Well, <laughs> that day came so fast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it comes down to, I guess. Like surrounding yourself with people that inspire and motivate you. And then you're like. And even now, like, I think the people that aren't necessarily like haven't reached their I wouldn't say not good but like haven't reached their potential are the ones that are confident in their skill when they're like yeah I'm, I'm, I've made it I'm good at what I do right versus the people that are like I still need to learn I still need to improve like uh, I've been following um, like, there's another artist from uh, Brazil he worked on God of War um, uh, Rafael Grassetti like yeah. his stuff like you can see like even in his talks and everything he talks about how he's continuing to like every project he works on is like a learning experience, right? It, the guy's yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so if you look at and then you see his sculpts and stuff and he's making like all these Smash Bros characters and stuff mm -hmm. like that on a daily basis and like in the talks he explains about um, his learning approach, yeah. right? Not that I'm good at what I do. Yep. Like I've made it. Well, when you make the main characters of God of War, but you're still yeah. working on your personal projects, yeah, yeah, yeah. that shows that you have what it takes, right? Like yeah. The, so it's like super inspiring to see people like like that. Shout out to Rafael, I say. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up in Brazil, I guess. So what did your parents like? Did they have any expectations of you growing up? Like, or were they okay with you jumping into the field of the art field? Um, my mom is proud of me no matter what I do. Right. So it's that kind of mother. <laughs> and my my dad wants me to work for him. He has a he sells products for a laboratory. Has a company. And I think that was part of why I was so comfortable moving into to the art field because I had a safety net to fall back on. So gotcha. yeah, if not nothing works, I could just like give up and go work for my dad, and it would make a pretty decent living too. So right, right. It, it was good to have like the so you had support yeah on both ends yeah, and I, I didn't have to worry about college tuition. Like my dad took care of that, so nice. I was yeah. But that being said. I kind of believe on the benefit of the struggle, yeah. so, <laughs> so I think I didn't achieve my full potential because I had things too easy. <laughs> but at the same time, I think you still have that mindset where it's like you realize in order to take it to the next level, well, you have yeah. that growth mindset, right? I hope and so. I, like, that's yeah. why even when I met you at Novana, I guess you and I, we started talking more in terms of like the growth and that kind of stuff when we were at ARC, so. Yes. When I, when I started introducing you to the, the daily artwork and I'm like, yo, you can make an art piece a day, that kind of stuff, inspired by people and like... Yeah, you, yeah, you showed me people crap, 
his work and you showed me that book the war of art yeah so if anybody's interested in like tackling procrastination the war of art you should check that out and then uh again people this yeah. is the second podcast we're probably gonna keep bringing him up with every uh, 3d design <laughs> artist and they just, yeah and i just met him in brazil it was pretty pretty yeah, that's insane. pretty pretty surreal <laughs> guys a monster when it comes to i guess discipline and, and inspiration and stuff like that yeah so after you yeah you brought that up and so i started focusing i did you were doing dailies at the time no i think you just finished doing dailies. i at think the time. yeah i finished at the time because of when I got the job at Arc, I was like, I, I fulfilled my duties, like <laughs> in terms of uh, having portfolio pieces to show to yeah. get a new job and like level up my skill. Yeah, so, so, but you did for a long time, right? You were doing uh, so artwork a day for how long? Two hundred and fifty days or so. Yeah. So That's almost it, a yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I broke at thirty days. So I was gonna do. I was aiming for a year, yeah. and then when I when I got like twenty days, I was like. Fuck, I'm gonna give yeah, up. But your artwork, like, if you're, like, you're doing full-blown <laughs> characters from scratch. Because even people's stuff, what they what he does, for example, is like... He reuses they a lot, reuses, right? They reuse assets and they composite it and they add shaders and stuff, which is still... It's amazing. It's amazing, right? And they use Octane and they push the limits in terms of render engines and animate things with dynamics and all that kind of stuff. But I, yeah, that's but like a, if, if you were to like compare the two different approaches to making dailies, what we did was a little bit more complex because we were doing concepts to yeah. complete from scratch. Yeah. So it was yeah, my my problem was I could not go down quality. Like I because yeah. I did the first day was a little bit lower quality. And then I think it, like when I got to the weekend and I improved the quality because I had more time to spend on. Yeah. And I could not force myself to go down, so I, I just yeah. kept like I, I, I couldn't I couldn't lower the quality bar, and I just yeah was was a stressful month. <laughs> but but that in itself, I guess you learn about your oh, yeah. approach to artwork and stuff like that too. Oh yeah, even like the 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 personal work that got me hired for for next gen, mm -hmm. it was I I did that during those thirty days. So right. yeah. So it's like just those so 30 thanks. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you and thanks people. Yeah, <laughs> I told him that too. Change, change like, yeah. reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know when I was at Novena, so I have to give shout outs to, uh, remember Peter Mai? Yes. So yeah. he sent me a video of a, it was like a, an artist talk. I think I sent you that video too, of people explaining like the concept behind creating an art piece every day and not giving a fuck about like uh, what the quality is, like getting shitty ideas out yeah. and doing it for the sake of like learning experiences. And then, um, so that got me inspired to do it because I was like, now I, and I got a new computer at the time and I was like, you know what, I'm going to like crank out a re abstract render, it doesn't matter, I can mm -hmm. rotate cubes and like add emissive <laughs> textures to it. And then from that, like, and I guess when you reach a specific point in the industry as well, you get when the work becomes redundant and you're not expressing your creative freedom and like what you're passionate about like working on mm -hmm. then you have that urge to do side things right and yeah. that's why i guess we do side projects and freelance for that reason right because then once work gets redundant and you're not working on projects that are i guess meeting that need this mm -hmm. it's an outlet and it's a Definitely. good practice too yeah the, the hardest thing i've done on the past few months is start saying no to freelance work yeah and yeah, because I, 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 like I, I think I go where I am mostly because I never said no to any work. Like right. every time people ask me something, I always do it without complaining. Right. And but now, like now I got a kid, 
and saying saying yes to freelance work was saying no to family time and to personal projects. Personal projects, yeah. And so I started saying no to freelance work, and then I broke. I I, I got like one freelance gig, and I really regret it because I don't think I I, I focused enough on the work or on 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 my family right. when I was doing that. So. I think that has been the last freelance gig I'm doing for for the coming years, because I really want to push personal work now. That's yeah, because you improve, I guess, as an artist as well. And that, that's another thing too. I guess if you're not, if you don't need, like everybody needs extra money. Yeah. But if you don't need need it, it's when it comes to freelance and stuff. Depending on the companies you're working with, like even myself included, like some people that you work with, like the deadlines are very short. Uh, the expectations are very high, and then doing that after nine to five, and then other yeah. responsibilities, is, it well, burns you out eventually. And the other thing is, like the the way I start rationalizing is, uh, instead of like I would pay the amount I'm being paid by the freelance, I would pay to have that time yeah. to work on my personal projects. Right, right, so uh, that that that's it, right? I'm just investing my time on on what I'm choosing to do instead of investing instead of just seeking the paycheck every day, right? Like this. Yeah. Another thing I've been diving into too in that regard is like getting more into exploring ways where you can get passive income from because even like in our industry, from what we're working on, the assets creation, all that kind of stuff, yeah. whether it's tutorials or anything, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. You can benefit from that, and you can put that out there as like you're selling yourself as a product almost, right? Yeah. Because you you have in, like a vast amount of knowledge that other people will cater to, right? And then the thing is like that type of stuff. Once you put it out there overnight, like over time, it's going to evolve on its own, right? And then that versus like doing freelance stuff, which is like a specific amount of time for a specific amount of money. And a lot of times you cannot even show. Exactly, yeah. right, until maybe two years later when the project is out. And by that time, it's everything's well, irrelevant if the project, if the project <laughs> is out. Yeah. 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 So, so you and I have worked on some projects that crashed and crumbled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think they're, they're making now. Yeah? I don't know. I, I see some new images, some old new images. Oh. Can we talk about it? I guess it's uh, at the time where they did come out and like they, they had flyers and stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, Blazing Samurai. Blazing Samurai. So when Salso and I were working at Arc Productions, you were there for how long? Uh, three years, I think. Three years. Yeah. Yeah, I was only there for about like six, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing. You were the main character sculptor and design, like the lead. I wasn't the lead. Uh, and, uh, well, Sap were yeah, we're considered leads on the project. Was I? Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, they didn't tell me that. It's, yeah. yeah, so you guys are like leads, well you guys are considered leads, and then yeah. uh, I was hired as a senior rigger at the time, so like Python scripting and stuff, and then I was doing some sculpts and stuff on the downtime. Yeah. And then yeah, like six months in, there was one day where, so what was the first thing that happened? It was like, we had bagels. I was, out, I was off that week, yeah. so yeah, I was, I was on vacation time. Yeah. And so there's a Monday, so every Monday at the studio we would have, uh, Bagel Monday, and it was like, I guess they bring a whole bunch of bagels into the studio and uh, cream cheese, like herb and garlic cream cheese, like very decadent style. Like, so everybody would look forward to Mondays just because of the bagels. <laughs> and then one week there's no bagels, and then everybody was like, Yo, what's going on? Like, where's the bagels? And then rumors start spreading that like, they didn't pay the bagel guy. 
shit. But then they sent an email saying that, like, we're looking for healthier options for. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. They're like, uh, the studio is now trying to implement more healthier alternatives in terms of what kind of food is brought into the studio. So everybody was like, okay, I guess we're gonna get like celery sticks and like apples, <laughs> uh, no more bagels. But then what happened was like two weeks after that, or was like oh, no, it was the same week. It was the same week. So the same um, week, then on, on Friday, nobody got paid. Yeah. And everybody freaked out, but then they they sent and then an they sent an email saying it was a glitch in the system. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so when you're working for a company that has what, like 550 employees, <laughs> a glitch in the system is a pretty big deal. So, but the thing is, because I was uh, out on vacation yeah. and I checked my account and they didn't get paid, <laughs> what I thought was because I had just changed banks at uh, the time, I so I was like, oh, I must get have given them, so I, I gave them some wrong information, wrong number, or whatever. <laughs> like Tuesday, because um, Monday was a holiday, so Tuesday when I get back. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess things started. Yeah, there was, a, it was like a <laughs> civic holiday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I forgot what I was doing too, but my phone started blowing up. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> and then I looked at my phone and there's like a Facebook group made with like, I guess every employee at the, the studio. Yeah, that was overwhelming. Like uh, keeping up with that, that group. The, the group stressed me out more than being unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because everybody was panicking, right? Some people had mortgages and stuff like that. Some people were relocated to the city just for the job, and yeah, it was pretty bad for for a lot of people. I was good, like I was, I was like, well, there is the break I was looking for. Yeah. But then, like the the Facebook group was stressing me out, and uh, all the studios were making job fairs for for, which was interesting in of itself. Right? Yeah. Well, Arc Arc stole most artists like most senior artists from all the studios in Toronto mm -hmm. and then they go bankrupt and the studios were like oh time to get people back right right so they did the the job fairs and and I started getting more stressed about because I was like oh my god there is over 500 people that do the same thing that I do <laughs> <laughs> so if I don't get a job now maybe there's no more positions of when I when I actually decide to look for it right so within a week I was working again yeah you landed a job at Tangent right after that right yes yeah. and you went to IB to industrial brothers. Industrial brothers, yeah. yeah. So we both landed in pretty decent places. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> we put the work in. But I wasn't scared to, to be honest. I was like, yo, I need to just polish my resume and CV and get in touch with the right people. Yeah. And then well, at, at the end of the day, we've been in the industry long enough where people understand our work ethic and like where we stand. So. I think I think the most beneficial thing to my career was art going down. Yeah, no, it, same, same with yeah. mine. So it's like a blessing in disguise. Because now I, I have like 500 people that I knew right. are spread like in the world. It's not even just Toronto. Right. Like in our studios, like everywhere that I eat. So I got freelance from Thailand because of this. Right. Like it's, I don't even know how it happened, but like now there's a lot of people that, as you mentioned, like I was one of the main character artists at ARC. Right. And if they need a character person, they, they they think back on who they knew, even if they didn't work directly with me, they knew that I was the character guy, so they, they right. reached out. So I got too, like a lot of freelance work from, from people just rem that remember my name. Mm -hmm. And when, when I apply at Tangents, like there was no questions asked because it was the same art director as the, uh, as the show we were working, so he vouched for me too. Right. Yeah. That's cool, but yeah, that's the community, I guess. Yeah. And shit, it's the fan everybody. <laughs> but it was good though, like it, 
the community was pretty good. And even now, I, I think there's like a Facebook group where people still post job postings. Yeah, I, I kind of abandoned my Facebook. Like I, I delete it from my phone. I only look, uh, yeah. I look up on the browser here and there and I notice like, oh, this group still exists. They still there's post like yeah. job postings and yeah. stuff like because I guess it's trusted artists from that company. Fair enough. But yeah, so what what kind of things do you implement in terms of work ethic and like just mindset ways? Because I like before the podcast, I remember we were talking briefly about how it's just like all in the mind, depending yeah. on what you do. Which is yeah. Now I'm I'm one thing I'm trying to start is I, I saw in a random YouTube video because the everyday mentality now doesn't always work, right. especially now that I have a kid and right. things get in the way. So there is the the two-day mentality, it's what I try to incorporate, it's right. like never going two days without doing something related to my goals. Right. So, like if shit happens today and I can't do anything, it's fine, I like to don't stress about it, yeah. but I, I, I cannot let that happen two days in a row. So Because then it starts to become a habit. Yeah. yeah. I and think Tom Bilyeu talks about that too, so he has the same, you know who Tom Bilyeu is? No. The impact theory, like he has a whole bunch of podcasts with like successful entrepreneurs. And I think that so, might be him. Yeah, yeah, so he has the same mentality where it's like mm-hmm. he doesn't go two days without because he realizes that then that becomes that not doing anything for two days is just become a habit. It spills yeah. into or break your habit too. Or break yeah. your habit, yeah. But, but what about you? Me yeah. for me like to be honest, it's like more of a I don't know, proving to yourself on a daily basis and becoming the strongest version of yourself, right? And then um, the mind is like a very busy 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 thing depending on like what you feed it mm-hmm. so if i watch like things that are not relevant towards my growth and understanding of like what will lead me to be more successful and happier and i guess more relaxed with life and wealthy in the future if i feed it junk i'm going to become lazy and distracted versus if i listen to audiobooks and like read stuff like and constantly expand the mind and like do meditation for example it's like these simple little things that's like uh, you change your external influence to a way where it's catered towards the direction you want to um, be steered towards like your trajectory right so like for example like we did the wim hof breathing exercises the cold showers and all that kind of stuff yeah even something as simple as that most people don't do anything like that and it's like the reason why we do it is because it's like you get used to that uncomfortable feeling right that flinch and I think there's a video you sent me one day of a guy doing it for 30 days and like he described it as like getting over the flinch factor. Yeah. Like even when you're starting a project or anything from scratch, that hesitation where you're like, oh, no, like I fear it might not go well. And then when you get used to that feeling, your conscious is like becoming in control of the subconscious in a way. Yeah. Some like, days. <laughs> yeah. Some days it's taking more time like waiting to turn the, the shower on than actually in the shower just yeah. because like I'm like oh my god the cold water is gonna hit yeah. I'm not prepared for that so it's still like a good three minutes exiting there like just like ah, yeah. maybe, maybe I just do a warm one today yeah. I'm like ah fuck it <laughs> and, then, and then yeah doing little things like that even on a day to day basis in terms of like work and like mm. you know, whether it's going to the gym or whether it's writing in the journal or like planning next steps in terms of where you want to be headed in life like that becomes a habit yeah. and then you like rewire your brain in a way where it's like your path becomes clear in terms of what you need to do to attain whatever goals you have planned versus being like a lost subconscious autopilot mode which most people are in 
Well, one thing that you mentioned that it reminded me of something is like the audiobook part because mm-hmm. I've been like so into audiobooks those days and, and podcasts that I think that has been harmful a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I think I'm overwhelming my, my mind with information. Yeah. And to the point that I stop absorbing a little bit. Right. So execution is like there needs yeah. to be a balance in between. No, right? yeah, not really absorbing, but I think that a lot of the the ideas I had before, a lot of the the content I tried to create, it comes from from like not having anything in mind, and then right. my mind start wandering. Right. And because of like the easy of information today, yeah. I just like I'm I'm always listening to something. So I don't have that idle time to think about things anymore. Right, right, right. So, yeah. I guess the solution to that would be to give give yourself some time to digest and reflect on uh, everything. Because that's another thing that we are in an information age where we're connected to everyone and anything and internet and like there's audiobooks, books, like self-help. There's so many people that like, what what is Jordan Peterson, Elio Hall, Joe Rogan, like everybody, there's so much input yeah but then the thing is like you mentioned this and you kind of have to step back and then uh digest everything but towards i guess what you're applying like what you're doing in life right Mm -hmm. so if i'm doing if i'm trying to learn a new software or whatever like i'm i have to experiment and like face issues fail and like learn as I go versus reading everything and anything about like uh, the center pivot tool and like (laughs) how to snap things like I'm not then you're going to be overwhelmed right because there's so much information and you're not going to know what to start versus like having a plan of like okay I'm going to do this from start to finish and then you're kind of executing that's the best way to learn yeah you acquire information as you need as you need it right and it is very easy to get to drown in information whether it's mindset wise or today's day and age relationship stuff like dating like same thing it's like the pickup artist like that's when you when you mention that information that's the first thing yeah. that comes to mind because i know so many guys in today's day and age where they read all of this stuff of how to like talk to a girl or how to approach or how to do this and they've never approached together <laughs> so they never yeah. but they know all of the different like, scenarios this doesn't work this doesn't work it's like it's not working like, have you yeah. Like, have you gone out and actually tried to like, communicate with the human? It's like, no, I'm too shy. It's like, well, um, well, you need to work on that. Then it's like more of the introspective stuff first before that, like getting all this information. Yeah. So what I've been doing to avoid that now is uh, like choosing not to listen to things sometimes. Right. But like, I have to make an effort not to listen to something. Right. It used to be the opposite, right? And, like now it's like no, like. Uh, if I'm doing it, like trying to be present on whatever I'm doing, and if that it's gonna, if listening to an audiobook now it's gonna diminish my experience here in any way, I'm gonna choose not to do this now and then I do this later, right? Like, right. even like walking my dog, because I, I was going through so many audiobooks just walking my dog, right, right. but then like it's removing myself from the experience, like I'm not as present with him when I'm doing that. Ah, I see what you're saying. Like, so yeah, I'm not yeah. enjoying the playtime with him as much. Right, right, right. Because right. my mind is like, yeah, my attention is split. So, and even though that's not, like it's not something that we think that it's gonna benefit us in the long term, but any experience we have, like we, we shouldn't be focused only on one thing, right? Like any experience we have is gonna help us it correlates to different aspects of your life, right? Yes. Yeah, you might get inspiration from like the most random thing and yeah. you incorporate that to like an artistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus, yeah I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. 
And then, and that's another thing that I actually have that problem too, where I guilt trip myself if I'm not doing anything oh. or I'm not learning. Guilt is my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> But in a way, it's beneficial, but at the same time, sometimes it's not because, like, then you can't enjoy downtime. Like, when you, you don't feel like you deserve, like, an hour or two hours because your mind is constantly going, it's like, I could be learning right now. I could be improving right now. And then over the last couple of years, like, I've, I guess, become more accepting and zen to that. But before, like, even while I was doing the dailies, yeah half an hour an hour if I'm not doing anything the guilt would start to consume me <laughs> so the guilt consumes me in like I'm not there yet because I, I suffer on both sides yeah. if I am focusing on something I feel guilty because I'm not spending time with my family right. and I'm like oh my god like my wife is just like dealing with the kid by herself now I should be with her mm-hmm. but then if I'm with her yeah. and I'm like oh my god two hours have passed got nothing done today <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah it doesn't matter what I do I feel guilty about it that I think that's uh, Perks of being an artist. <laughs> yeah, I guess at the end of the day, you just have to accept it, to be yeah. honest. It's like what you do, you kind of reflect on what you have accomplished, and if you haven't, you just accept it. Like, you know what, that was my rest time. But that the approach, like, there's a guy by the name of Naval, I don't know if you've heard him. No. He's, he's a very wise guy, and he talks about a lot of uh, very interesting approaches to like things in like modern day society. and. Uh, so he like like you mentioned how you don't do the daily approach any anymore like he's of the same mindset where it's like people shouldn't do nine to five or whatever because we're more like we're not robotic we're not machines right mm-hmm. it's more of a like how like a lion goes out to hunt right like for two three hours you'll have like very high productivity and then after that's done you can like chill relax and then once you get that inspiration and motivation again you jump on it again. And you'd have another two, three hours or an hour of productivity and getting into that headspace rather than guilt tripping yourself of not having whatever, 12 hours of consistent work. Because that's not normal if you think about it. Like you will no. burn out, you'll burn out eventually and you're not going to be as enthusiastic as enthusiastic as you were with, after the first four or five <laughs> hours of like doing well, anything, right? Yeah, my goal now is actually yeah. two hours. Like if you right. could put two hours a day on personal projects, I'm happy. Right. Cranking it out. Yeah, because... Yeah, I might go back to getting up even earlier now. So I done that like when I was doing dailies, I was trying to do that right. and getting up at five and doing a couple hours before going to work. Right. And I might get back to that because at night, yeah, at night there's too many things going on, right? Like you know, the the things that need to be done start getting in the way. Right. So uh, you see the dishes there and you're like, okay, I gotta do the dishes first. Mm-hmm. And then the dog starts whining, he wants to go out, and then you go walk the dog, right. and you get back. So at night, there's too many things that can get in the way. Right, right, right. As in the morning, not even the dog wants to go out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like four in the morning, five in the morning, it's yeah. the, like a... How long is your commute to... It's about an hour door to door. Yeah. yeah. And then you, so I guess you have that time to work on personal stuff too, right? Yeah, I do, uh, I do work in, uh, I have a tablet, so I, I do some sculpting in the train. Mm-hmm. And it's about 30 to 40 minutes uh, train ride. Yeah. And then the extra 20 minutes is getting to. Alright, so as someone in the industry for, I guess you've been in the industry for how long now? Like I would say, 10 like, yeah, 10 years. I don't count the time in Brazil anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I used to count that time, but that, that was a joke. So. Yeah, what, what advice would you give to up and coming artists, uh, like recent graduates, or that want to get into the industry? I would uh, just. Keep pushing, right? Like the 
I think personal work is key. Yeah. Uh, if you have production work, that that helps you show that you're reliable. But that that doesn't show your skill because yeah. uh, there is like the fingers of the art director have touched that, right, right, and right, right. The, you've got opinions. You might have got help from other artists. So production work is not as as in, uh, uh, as good as an indication of your your artistic uh, views. Right. So personal work is key, and if you're not getting any, like get out of your ass and go knock on some doors. I know companies say they don't like that, right. but like if you're, you have no idea how many emails they get a day, right? right? If you go there with a physical copy of your portfolio, they're gonna look at it, even if it's to throw in the trash, right? Like they're at least gonna flip through that handbook on their way to the trash can. So at least you got noticed, right? I guess also coming out to all the industry events and getting feedback from people that are already in the industry. Yeah, definitely. So, and not being afraid of, I guess, reaching out to people in the industry as well. Like, that's what I found mm. that helps a lot too. Like, even I've been to some of the Taffy events and stuff like that, and people do reach out and they ask for advice. And I remember when I wasn't in the industry, I'd reach out to people and they, some, like most people wouldn't respond, right? Uh, yeah. But nowadays, I feel like it's different because, like, I guess, like, you and me, for example, like, we know what it was like back in the day, and, like, it's better to guide someone and, like, show them the right path in terms of, like, hey, you need to work on this, this, and this. Definitely. Or, hey, check out this guy's artwork, do some more research in terms of, like, topology and anatomy, for example. But you also have to be aware of the quality of your work, right? Like, yeah. if you think, if you're presenting something and you're super proud of, and it's clearly not good, yeah. Then, um, like ego is you have to toss that shit out yeah. the window. You can't. Oh, it took me some time. Yeah, yeah. Like for for me, I, I was I used to get very offended by notes. <laughs> yeah. Not really offended, but I would take personally a little bit. I was like, oh, my way was better. But like, yeah, yeah that happened so many times that you got callous. <laughs> yeah, you doesn't affect you anymore. To erode as an artist. <laughs> But it's a good thing. At the end of the day, is like having an open mind that changes you as a person and your perspective to everything that you work on because nothing is perfect at the end of the day. Yeah. Unless you're like, this is my style. And yeah. Like, but you're not going to get very far with that either. <laughs> well, you, you're, even your style has to adapt depending on what you're doing, right? Right. Like there is, I like to think of style in two different ways. Yeah. So there is style, like your natural style and your style by choice. Right. So if you're working for somebody, if you're doing, uh, working in a project, that's a style by choice. You've got to analyze, mm -hmm. see what, what style is necessary for that task and try to implement that. Right. But natural style is what you do without, when you don't even think about it, you just sit down and draw something or sculpt something, mm -hmm. whatever comes out, like it looks, it has a, a, a if you do that for some time, it's gonna have a unique look to it, and that's what I call like natural style. Yeah. And it's a mis I, f I think it's a mistake try to force the natural style. Mm -hmm. But when people are seeking style, I think it's the style by choice for a specific project, even if it's your personal project, right? Right. So what, what programs do you currently use? Like, what's your go-to tool, tool bag, tool set? Well, ZBrush is my yeah. Is where I live the mo most of the time, <laughs> but I'm being exploring a lot with Blender. That's mm -hmm. even like that's the reason why I'm back at Tangent now because mm -hmm. I think it's the only student in Toronto using Blender as their their main 3D package. And what's the reason behind that? 
Like, why did they use? So for them, uh, that, that's actually a pretty good question because a lot of people think it's just because it's a free software that they're using. Right. But they spend more time with Blender than, uh, not time, like more money on Blender than they would if they were buying Maya. Uh, the reason for it is they have a full team of developers dedicated on implementing new tools on Blender. Gotcha. The, they end up donating for the Blender Foundation at some time. Right. And they also invest in the Blender Foundation. So they, they, donate, they donate extra money on it. And on top of everything, there is about two weeks learning curve for people, new hires cause, uh, because not everybody knows how to use Blender. They, they they already scheduled that on on the budget, right? Like so, when they hire somebody new, if they're a Maya artist or Max artist, they know it. It's gonna take at least two two weeks for them to actually start working on something, like going over that curve. And the reason why they choose that is because they're betting on the future, right? right. Blender is like we proved that too with Next Gen, right? Like it's the Next Gen looks amazing. That it was, was made in Blender as well. Was made in Blender gotcha. and rendering cycles. And so that was like physical proof that that software is capable of anything that Maya is capable of. Right. And now with the new version, it's capable of more things, right? Like the, there's tools that no other software have that they have implemented. And they're catching up even on ZBrush because the they sculpting tools are getting better. Right. I but, didn't even know you could sculpt in Blender. Oh yeah. yeah, and it's getting close. There is like, they just added a feature now. Oh, that's another thing. Like every week you yeah. can download a new build that has new features that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. As in Maya, like you have to wait a full year for a new version right. that doesn't change anything, right. right? Like you have like maybe a couple new things, like mm-hmm. every week there's something new in Blender. Uh, that, that's mind blowing. Right. There is, uh, I, you actually should check out, uh, there is a, a new temporary IK for posing. Mm-hmm. So it's a brush that you, you place in the hand like to, to move this yeah. and it sets an IK chain from the elbow to the hand for you, like gotcha. temporary. It's like, it's insane. It's still experimental. It's, yeah. it's not perfect, but uh, it's the only software that's pushed in that direction. And Tangent chose to invest time and money on that because they believe that Blender is going to take over and it, it, it's going to be easier for people to, to actually get into the, into the industry right. using a free software rather than paying uh, Two thousand Canadian dollars a year to have a license of Maya, right? Right, right, right. So they they're betting on the artists by by choosing Blender. Yeah, I think we're lucky enough and to be at studios where they constantly upgrade and like keep up to date. Because there are a lot of studios that are still working like very old <laughs> versions of Maya. It's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's dependent on the projects too, right? Yeah, but, but like while while we were at Novella, like they. But same thing is based off of the projects and the quality that they establish. But it's it's fun working on things as they're upgrading. Yeah. Because you don't want to come out of a studio with Lamberts and yeah no, uh, mental this. mental ray shaders. For those of you who are familiar with the three the three D aspect of things. Yeah. But, but no, that's awesome. And then for rendering and stuff like that, you said they use cycles. Yeah, cycles is like their native ray tracing render engine. Yeah. And. I have no complaints about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, even like my workflow in ZBrush was using Keyshot for the longest time. I love Keyshot. Yeah, now I dish Keyshot for, for cycles. cycles. Yeah. yeah, like it takes is a cycles l- GPU based as well, or is it? Uh, yeah, it's both. both. You can choose. Okay. Yeah, so whatever is stronger on your computer, you you set that to. Uh, 
Yeah, at work I have a CPU, at home a uh, GPU because right. so. And then there's another one, Corona is, uh, people from Blender use that as well or no? I know you can install other, yeah. uh, like there, there is a uh, third part render engines, but most people are using either Cycles or Eevee. Eevee is... Oh, yeah, Eevee is the one I was thinking about actually. Yeah. yeah. So Eevee is the real time or game engine looking, right. and it just like is just as good, if not better than uh, uh, Marmoset Two Bag. Right. So, but it's in the software. You can actually animate, scene the final results. It's right, like right. It, it blows my mind. It, it's pretty amazing. Have you dived into Octane at all? No. Yeah. You've seen the right <laughs> I've seen, yeah, I've seen the work. It's pretty amazing, but again, I think it's more about the people who chose to use than the actual software. Right. Yeah. The I th I think that what that is the reason why Blender had such a stigma about it before, mm -hmm. because most people using were using because it's free. Right. And those were not like they they were not in the industry yet because right, right, right. everybody in the industry was using whatever software the the company they work for is using. Exactly. So there was no professionals using Blender for the longest time. Right. And now you see that like Ubisoft invested I think was uh, eight hundred thousand dollars on Blender. To Blender. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're using at first on their cinematics department, but they're gonna try to spread because. Are you like at a game studio? Doesn't matter. Like, what matters the most is the uh, the game engine you're using. Mm -hmm. The 3D package doesn't matter that much, right? Right. So they're investing heavily in Blender, and Epic Games invested. I think it was a million and a half. So. And so they have input in terms of what kind of plugins and like how they want to. Yes, that and supports too, and right? Support, yeah. And yeah. And the can you do that with Maya stuff? I don't think so. Right? You can send bug reports. Yes. Well, uh, Maya, like, because let's say a, a studio like Tangent, like on a peak production, we get to around 200 people. Mm -hmm. So a studio that has 200 people and 200 licenses, mm -hmm. if they reach out to, to Autodesk and say, like, oh, this is not working, they're going to get back to it really quick because right. they're making a fortune on, 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 of this studio, right? But um, at Blender, like we, attention, we have a full like a developers team, but they also have direct connection with the Blender Foundation because of the donations we made. Right. And when I say donations, again, it's in not just money. They donate time too. They donate uh, the tools that we develop. They they get donated to Blender too. So I, I think it's a it's the open source mentality, right? Like, right, right, right. That's dope. Yeah. But I might dive into Blender. Yeah. But I think I'm exploring Octane at the moment. <laughs> ZBrush and Octane and then Cinema 40 actually. Yeah. Like more of the motion graphics stuff. Well, That's piquing my interest at the moment. And I mean, Blender has like a similar uh, like history-based node system too, right? They're implementing a, a way more node-based things now. But the main thing with uh, Cinema 4D is how easy it is to integrate with After Effects, right? That's why a lot of people choose Cinema 4D for motion graphics. Yeah. Well, that and, and Octane. Yeah. And Octane, yeah. yeah. So... No, I was actually surprised at how easy it was to jump into Cinema 4D. Like, it's very, yeah. very user-friendly. I have never used it. It's like... Do you, what kind of phone do you have? Uh, Android phone. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like shifting from like an Android to an iPhone where it's like very... 
don't know, everything's like in your face. Like, oh, you want to do this? Like, click here. Oh, I see. You want to add hair to everything and like just change like scrubbing things to like add like the volume and stuff. It's like very in- intuitive and like very easy. Mm-hmm. Versus like, I don't know, brush for this. Like you have to open yeah. menus and you have to know where everything is. It's funny. Yeah, ZBrush, I, I never understood why people give Zebra so much crap because they've been using since the beginning, right? So you're so familiar with all For me, the it's the easiest software ever. Yeah. And then I started teaching at Seneca and, you and when I was presenting Zebra for the first time to some people, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> like then I saw people actually struggling with it. And, uh, yeah. If you know what you're doing, it <laughs> makes sense to you. But if you don't and you're trying to find a menu, it's like you're literally operating a spaceship. It's like you have to open yeah, up there, control panels <laughs> and dock it. Yeah. And I'm still, like, to be honest, I'm still not a fan of, like, the panels opening you have to scrub through. And, like, no, they yeah. finally implemented folders. No, it's just behind in some things for sure. Yeah, but the program itself is, like, a beast. Yeah, I love working in ZBrush as well. Yeah, the competition doesn't even touch it, right? Yeah. It's, it's very unique on that the sense. Primary focus is not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, ZBrush is easier for somebody who is learning ZBrush before learning 3D right. than somebody who actually knows 3D because then they are expecting things to be in a certain way and they are not, right? Like right. this. All right, so for you as a, an artist in Toronto, like what, what do you see yourself? Like what are your plans moving forward? Like what are your goals, mm-hmm. dreams, and aspirations? Well, I want to stay in Toronto. Like, uh, I like living here. Yeah. And uh, career-wise, I think I'm going to stay where I am for <laughs> until I make some of my own projects take up. Like that's my my ambition. You're gonna pitch some stuff, or are you gonna do personal, like from start to finish? So my, I want to pitch, but I wanna, but I'm afraid. Like I'm afraid of rejection. <laughs> So I will pitch, but with the intention of finishing, if no, like uh, the way I'm writing my the the show is as a, a series, so it would be like a three seasons, nine episodes right. each season. But I'm writing in a way that it's easy for me to adapt to each season to to a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So when I'm like I'm finishing. I already wrote this before, I'm like, but I didn't work for a long time, and some of the ideas start getting mushy. So I'm writing again from scratch, and I'm finishing the first season now, and then I'm gonna stop writing and go back and try to figure out and make like a pitch black bible and try to sell that. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm gonna try to sell that just as an experiment, and if nobody picks it up, I'm finishing as a graphic novel. That's the so I know your parents probably look at you like, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, my parents, yeah, they, when I got my first job here, they were already like, oh, fuck, he's not coming back. <laughs> They're still in Brazil right now? Yeah. yeah. And your father's still working at the, what was it, chemical plant? Yeah. Uh, flasks and stuff. Yeah, he's still doing that. And my, my sister is working with him now, so <laughs> that took a, I'm a little bit relieved about it because... Yeah. How many siblings do you have? I have two, two. Yeah, two half siblings. So gotcha. it's uh, on my my dad's side. So older my or younger, older. She's uh, three years older, and my brother is five. Yeah. Are they in the? So your sister's working for your dad. Is your brother in the art field as well? Or no? no, my my brother is a pharmacist. So gotcha. similar. Yeah, he could be working for my dad, but there's some some family history involved there. <laughs> 
I, I think eventually he's gonna go back there. But. So if the industry started booming in Brazil, you know, would you go back? Uh, like not considering like family situation and all that kind of stuff. Like in terms like if all that was easy to pick up and go, would you? Well, pick up and go is easier. Okay. I, I think where like safety of my family is the biggest concern. Right. It's not too safe like that. No. Well, I didn't like I just came back, right? I went there for I was there for a week, mm -hmm. and I didn't feel unsafe. I was surprised about that. Right. Like everything was fine, but. But then when you start like thinking back on like everybody that I know has been robbed at least one time in Brazil. Yeah. I had like a, a hostage situation pretty much, right? Like when I was 14, I was... You had a hostage situation? Yeah, like they, they broke into my place, they tied me up. They, Holy like, shit. I was held there. I actually I, don't know this. Oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like that's pretty traumatic, right? Like uh, it didn't affect me that much. It affected my mom way more. She wasn't right. present, but right. when she... Yeah, uh, so but like what the happened in this situation? <laughs> would you like to share your experience? Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, was uh, summer break at school. I spent the night on the internet, so I went to bed like it was three or four in the morning. Okay. Uh, and then somebody shakes me to wake me up, and I think it's a, like a friend, like that wants to go do something. I get up, I don't see anything, because they put a hood on my head. Oh, shit. And I feel a knife pressing on my neck. And I was like, I, I finished getting up thinking, it's, I still think it's a friend. And so you thought it was a joke this entire time? Yeah. Like a prank or something? Yeah. What the fuck? And then, and then he, uh, the guy presses the knife harder and starts feeling the cut. And he's like, laid down. So I laid down. Uh, we still had like a, uh, a phone line at home. So I, I had the phone in my room. He rips the cable from the phone and ties me up with the phone cable. Pretty creative, because it's like two in one, right? Like, he removes my way of communication with the outside and gets a free rope. <laughs> and lucky enough was the day that, uh, like, both my parents worked, so they hired, like, this poor lady that would come, like, twice a week to clean up and then help out with some things. And it was the day that she was there, so she was tied up back to back with me. Holy shit. And they thought she's gonna come and rescue you. No, no. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. She, yeah, was unlucky for her, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, when they broke in, they held her at gunpoint and tied her up too. So I don't know how many people were there. I think it was like three or four. And so what was going through your head at the time? Like while you're tied up? I, I was surprisingly calm. Like I didn't, I was just like, Anything they, I was a bitch. Anything they asked me, I was like, it's right there. Gotcha. Like I was like helping them out with anything I could, just like survival mode. Right. But I wasn't freaking out or anything. Well, but that's a smart approach. Well, you I was like, I'm 14. There's no point of being brave. Right, right, right. right. So they, but the, the lady was freaking out, and she started screaming. She, she was losing, like she was crying too loud and they want to shut her up. So they cut, like we were tied with the same cable, so they cut the cable okay. and tried to lock her on the washroom, but the washroom only, could only be locked from the inside, so it didn't work out, so they bring her back. And they start saying like, oh, we're gonna cut your head off if you don't shut up. Oh and that, that made her shut up, that, that worked. Yeah. So, <laughs> but when they cut their, like, because they used the same cable to tie both of us up, uh, one of my hands got free, but my feet was tied with my hands too, so I was stuck still. But I could, and like when nobody was in the room, I could take a pick. 
And when I took a pic, I look around, every single thing is on the ground. There's nothing inside a cabinet anymore. Like mm -hmm. everything is on the ground. And I'm like, okay, I had a, a, a free hand, I can get away, right? Mm -hmm. And then I look at the windows and every house has bars on the windows in Brazil to keep, the, to keep the bad guys out, but was keeping me in, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So I just put the hood back in, <laughs> mangled the <laughs> ropes. <laughs> I didn't tie myself I'm back up. <laughs> I just trying to escape. <laughs> I just pretended, they, like I just mangled the ropes together and, yeah. and it looked like I was tied up and they just waited. Yeah. And they eventually, like from time to time, they would take a pick on the room and then move out. And I was like, was I was held there by like for six or eight hours. Holy shit! So I had to piece, and they didn't want to like help me out. So I poor lady, cause she she's <laughs> she tired. She to me. So so yeah. So we went to bed there, and then they they were pretty smart. When, on the way they did things because they left every single door in the house open and window when they left so the wind was pretty strong and would like from time to time would close a door or a closet or something right. and I thought it was they were still there gotcha. but they were long gone I don't know for how long right because right. I would hear noises and I'm like fuck they're still here right. and then my mom got home and I heard uh, and I when, when she opened when, when she got on my, my room she sees me tied up in a hood, me and her like tied up in a hood, and the the bed's wet, so she thought I was killed, right? Oh, and I thought I didn't know it was her, so she freaks out, and then like I had the free hand, so I take off my uh, <laughs> the thing from my my head, and like mom is okay, just get a knife, like just just and and then she like she kneels on the ground and start crying, and like mom please just go get a knife. And so she goes to the kitchen, comes back with a fork. That's so that, that's so how out of yeah she was like she was out of it, and and I never step on that home again. Like my, yeah, yeah, my mom sent me away uh, to stay with her sister for a couple so months. So parents still lived at the house. Well, they as they claim like they bought, uh, they sold the house right away. Yeah. And moved to like two towns over. Yeah. Uh, to like a safer place was like a. So did they ever find out who did? No. Nothing. I think one guy got caught trying to use uh, a card or something. Like yeah, like two years later, like yeah, trying to to do like to pass on some some checks. Like then. What about your father? What did he do? I don't know. I don't remember. His reaction was, I think, he was more worried about dealing with things and right. get, getting like. Yeah, he got, he took control of, like, my mom was uh, a little bit useless at the time. She got, like, oh, my God, like, she, she freaked out too hard. Right. So my dad just took control. So I don't remember him freaking out or anything. He just, like, he just got shit done, right? Like, he just took care of what needed to. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and, like, pretty much everybody, that all my friends in Brazil have a similar story. So it's not something that's unexpected. Yeah. So you think that's why you're so calm? You're like, oh, I guess this I, is happening. <laughs> <laughs> like it could be worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> so my, yeah. so my that like even though like my family has been, yeah. my family is doing well there, yeah. and like nothing like that has happened on my family, right. you know, the longest time. But from time to time, I hear from friends that something similar happens, yeah. and 
like my one of my friend's brother got shot in the face because of an iPhone not long ago. Fuck. So, like, even though I overall feel safe, yeah. from time to time some shit like that happens, and I don't want my family to be involved in any of that. Right. right, right, right. Here you see, like, uh, if you go up to Rosedale, there is like one of the nicest neighborhoods in Toronto. Right. You see kids playing on the street. Right. Like that doesn't happen in Brazil anymore. Right. So is it still like that? People don't oh, they, it happens, but they like anybody who is doing okay lives in a closed, uh, in a gated community. Gated community. Yeah, gotcha. and it looks more like a prison than anything, right? Like you, I don't want my house to be surrounded by barbed wire. So right. it's <laughs> yeah. That was unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that took a turn. Yeah, the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really interesting. Though. I can't say I have any experiences similar to that. <laughs> Maybe if I was living back home, probably, but not so much. Well, good thing we're not. Yeah. yeah. And something close to that, I guess, like breaking into the house that the other day I was working, like on a Tuesday here. And, mm-hmm. and it was like Tuesday, I was working on a freelance project at like one in the morning. And then I was listening to music, I was in the zone, and I hear like noises at my door. And my door is like pretty far, like yeah. down the hallway. And then, so. Like, you get heightened senses, you're like, is that someone trying to break in? It's like, you're trying to comprehend what's going on. And I'm like, it's Canada, like, Toronto. Who's like, a homeless guy is like, broke into a condo. Like, what is he trying to do? So I get up, I'm like, it's not my door. And then I start walking towards, and I can hear someone fiddling in the lock. Oh, right? So this is, like, 1 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. And I'm like, what, who in their right mind is... Like, even if it was a mistake, it doesn't make any sense, so it must be something shady. Yeah. So, my adrenaline started pumping. <laughs> I was ready to knock out whoever. <laughs> like, no, like, I don't know, like, I didn't even have a weapon. I was like, I'm going to see what the situation is first. Like, peek at the people, see what it is, and then, I don't know, grab a, like, a stick or a button or a knife or something. And I, so, but I didn't think that far ahead. I'm like, let me look to the people first. So I slowly start to approach, and they're like aggressively fiddling into the lock. And I was like, okay. And then I look through the people. It's like a five foot four woman <laughs> in a dress. So drunk as I, I don't know. Like, so, so I was confused. So I slowly open the door, and I'm like, hello, can I help you? And she like looks up at me with like shark eyes. Like black guy, like you know, it's like nobody's home. Oh shit! Like, and she's like, oh, she's like, just look, she's just staring at me. I'm like, yeah, can I help you? Like, this is, do you know what unit this is? And she's like, this is not. And she mentioned her unit, and I'm like, no, this is. I think you're two floors and like a door. (laughs) (laughs) And then she apologized like ten times, and the keys were still stuck in the lock, like. So she she was like either like high out of her mind or like drunk and she it looked like she came from a party or something. And then she started walking and she apologized, she introduced herself and I was like, Okay, have a good night or whatever. As she walked to the elevator, I'm like, Miss, we forgot your keys. Like, <laughs> you might need your keys to go back to your unit. And she's like super embarrassed, right? But in contrast is like, <laughs> that's what you experience in Toronto versus well, in Brazil. Well, I guess it depends on the area you live in too. Like in Toronto, there are some pretty rough patches. As well. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard some stories here too. It depends on where you live. Like I guess downtown is not too bad. But like, I yeah, just the like I I heard stars here, but th- those are the exception, right? right. In Brazil, those like 
it's, it's yeah, the expected. It's expected. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool stuff. <laughs> so I think we should end on that note. I feel like we, I can keep talking to you for hours and hours. And yeah, we as we always do. <laughs> as we always do. And, uh, but I mean, I feel like we covered a bunch of stuff in regards to, I guess, mindset, the industry that we're in. And they, yeah, the industry that we're in is booming a lot too these days, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, um, even when I was getting into the field, like in my culture and like growing up, it's not too common. Like, so everybody's like, "What is he doing? Like, is he in school for drawing? <laughs> <laughs> what is he gonna make out of himself?" Right. But now it's like, it's like, look, like, this is what I was doing along, and everything's becoming more digital with VR, AR. Uh, yeah. To the points that uh, companies are having a hard time finding new talents, like the. Yeah. That's actually why I was in Brazil. I was helping Tangent recruit people. Yeah. So it's pretty like it's pretty good awesome of them to send me there because it's an awesome time to be in the industry. So, yeah. and that's another thing too. I guess as everything becomes more, I don't know. There's less redundant like factory work and industrial work. Everything's becoming more simplified, and the creative industry is becoming more of the norm. Yeah. Where people are working in uh, areas or startups or anything like that, like all these companies where we have a lot more freedom to be in a creative field, which is blessed. Like this. Yeah, and way more, uh, and people are more comfortable spending money on entertainment now too, yeah. right? Like the so yeah, I guess now it's more of uh, changing the mindset from being as consumers to like the creative side of things. I'm gonna send you a whole bunch of novel stuff. You're yeah, please really do. Inspired <laughs> by that, do you recommend any audio books or podcasts or anything like that to uh, viewers? Best one that I've been, I finished not long ago is called Range, mm-hmm. and it's about how a generalist thrives in a specialized world. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the book. They they talk a lot about uh, you changing careers later in life and how how that can be a benefit not like we, we think that you're going to be handicapped if you right it's if too you, late to yeah. switch careers yeah but like he has some really good examples of, of people who are actually really good on what they do now because they were late to the game not because they, they focus in front of the age yeah I think when you experience a specific industry and I think people's driving like what they want to do changes over time too right yeah. It's like even me, like getting into the industry is like where my goals were set and like where I wanted to be, like shifted as I grew in the industry. Definitely. And then who's to know, like we might jump ship to like enjoy, I don't know, like for example, we might go into like the VR, like solely VR or like yeah. solely AR. And then, but like five years ago, you're like, I want to be a lead on this project. <laughs> That's like the dream, right? But yeah, shifting careers entirely, yeah, that could be. Yeah, it could be entirely or it could be just like it's interesting it's more about how like being having knowledge on fields not directly related to what you're doing yeah. can benefit you on making the the right decisions right like the, right. the so what would you shift to if you had well I, I was I was exploring a little bit with like video making but it, it's like it's always related somehow right like right. it's never too far from what I do but but still, like just having like having experience with one side of things can really benefit you on others. A good example that he gives is uh, like well-trained firemen are really good on on the everyday 
decision making of the business, right? Like the building catches on fire, they know exactly what to do. But the same people, they have a, a really hard time if they're sent like to, to help uh, find a solution to a fire in a barn because that's not the environment they've been trained on. Right. And then like the farmer that lives there have a better idea of how to get water to the proper place and how to deal with that because he knows the location and he knows like it's not uh, his knowledge is not direct directly related to what he needs to do now, but it's an outside knowledge that helps with the task. So right, yeah. Nice. Cool stuff. I appreciate your time coming to uh, join me on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. You're more than welcome to come anytime you want <clears throat> because, I'm, like I said, we can probably yeah. talk about. Yeah, there's a many, many, many subjects. Yeah, we didn't even cover any of like the mindset stuff in terms of uh, like going in depth with the Wim Hof stuff or the mindset stuff. That um, yeah, that I would love to talk about that too. And but as you said, like people, uh, <laughs> yeah, we if we keep going, we're gonna be here for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> the one that dragging on too long. Yeah. But then again, why not? <laughs> Do you have anything planned? <laughs> no, I'm but yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thanks. It was a pleasure. You're you're one of the many people that inspire me in life as well. Like I look up to you in that regard too. It's nice surrounding yourself with those type of like-minded individuals is like that's what pushes me. That's the thing to share growth and like a mindset towards growth and like hate each other. So this is what I'm saying. And like vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, so for everybody watching, so that's one of the key components to being successful. Too. So rather than, and then I tell that to a lot of people too, like, you know, like when you see someone that's like very good at what they do, whether it's at the gym, like someone that's very fit, you can approach them rather than being like, oh, that guy's just like, that's how he is. You can be like, what steps did 